Casper Caveman has time-traveled into the world of mayhem, and a documentary highlighting the era of Looney Tunes propaganda has hit HBO Max. So, of course, you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, I am so thrilled to bring to you two wonderful friends of mine and voices of media that i mean they they just eat up media and and regurgitate it uh daily so they're going to love looney tunes of course um thank you so much for being on the show mike manalo and stephanie sandmeyer thanks so much john for having us this is awesome um yeah this is the first time i've i've joined a podcast about something that wasn't comic books and sci-fi so thank you for having me this is an honor you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. It's been a long time coming, so I'm really happy to be here. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it's actually so great that you you invite us on this podcast, especially, you know, since this one covers one of the longest running media empires in, in the history of entertainment. I mean, Looney Tunes have been around forever, so you get to see history reflected uh, through these cartoons um, all, all throughout, you know, the existence of uh, Looney Tunes in general. So it's just one of the most interesting and, and beautiful things about this. And that covers not just the happy, silly, fun side, but some of the, some of the darker sides too uh, of this franchise, but also of history. So um, it's awesome that, you know, we can, we can explore it through Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on to discuss some of these really you know, uh, deeply rooted issues that are within animation history. Obviously, Warner Brothers was not the only studio putting these out there during that time, but they are still available. You can still, like, find them, watch them. And, you know, as Oprah Winfrey says, it's not good to to wipe away the history as if it never happened. It's, it's important to have it there to to make sure that that history is not repeated uh, because of our negligence to retain it. Um, So I wanted to highlight some of those uh, propaganda pieces of Looney Tunes. But first, on a lighter note, let's talk about uh, Daffy Duck and the Dinosaur. This is a 1939 short directed by Chuck Jones. Uh, This is one year before Bugs Bunny became into his full persona from Tex Avery. And so we have a bit of a rudimentary short. Uh, Daffy Duck is playing a tactic of, you know, hide myself from uh, this caveman and his dinosaur Fido. hungry. I could eat a saber-toothed tiger. Well, anyway, half a one. Well, this isn't getting me breakfast. Here, Fido. You just watched this short. What did you think of Daffy Duck and the Dinosaur? And and also, what's your history with Looney Tunes? Mike, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, happy to. Um, so, so yeah, uh, the short is, you know, I mean, it is a classic. Um, and I'd wish I'd seen it um, a lot more in my youth. Um, you know, obviously, I, I've gone through a lot of the classics, such as, you know, the, the Robin Hood one with Daffy Duck, uh, a lot of the Marvin the Martian stuff. I mean, in general, I'm, I'm a huge Looney Tunes fan, and I grew up watching Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes um, on Nickelodeon, just in reruns, uh, Cartoon Network, and even sometimes, you know, Fox Kids when that was still a thing, and, and WB Kids oh, yeah. as well. Um, so so they were a huge part of my childhood. Um, you know, who what kid doesn't know Bugs Bunny growing up, right? 
Um, right. You know, and then of course, um, I think John, you know, you and I, Jonathan, you and I talked about how I, I also got into the next generation of the Looney Tunes, you know, um, icons such as Tiny mm -hmm. Toon Adventures, uh, which was classic and a big one for me growing up. Space Jam. Love Tiny Toons. Yeah, I love Tiny Toons yes. as well. Um, Space Jam, uh, the, the Looney Tunes show, the new uh, Looney Tunes cartoon show on HBO Max, which is fantastic if you guys haven't seen it. Um, so, so the Looney Tunes, um, particularly Bugs and Daffy, they've been with me for a long, long time. And yet, having said all that, um, Daffy and the Dinosaur is not one of those that I've actually remembered or retained a whole lot of memory for. So, um, you know, when, oh, wow. when okay. I watched it, yeah, um, when I rewatched it, I was kind of surprised about how, you know, how, how new it all felt to me. Um, and, you know, you just have some of these classic textbook uh, Looney Tunes tropes all present in there, you know, which I which I absolutely love. Um, you know, the chase with like uh, the, the the rock and Daffy in the lake. Daffy's uh, signature who call, you know, like whenever he's uh, tricking somebody. Uh, classic signs, kind of, you know, pointing to a, a, a gag that's going to pay off later on. Um, and and one of the things that I thought was really surprising, really interesting was. Um, there's not as much voiceover in these earlier cartoons, right? Like it's a lot of music, it's a lot of sound effects um, driving a lot of this this uh, cartoon. Um, and, really leaning uh, into the melody yeah. part of the merry melodies, <laughs> exactly. Um, which which I I found very um, very refreshing uh, because you you know you just don't see that in cartoons today. They're very dialogue heavy. Um, so yeah, it just reminded me of simpler times. <laughs> Absolutely. And Stephanie, you've seen this one quite a bit, right? Quite a bit. I I had those collections of VHS tapes where it would have Looney Tunes and Merry Melody and Superman and, and just all the cartoons in one cassette tape. And this one happened to be on the cassette tape that I owned. So nice. I, I watched it very frequently as a child. Um, and as Manalo has mentioned, you know, like, watching things on Fox Kids and the Saturday afternoon show, like programming, like you'd see a lot of Looney Tunes. And when Tiny Tunes came out, I went nuts. It was adorable. And I love cute little babies. So, you know, of course, of course, I'm a fan of that. Uh, and when we when we get to the Daffy Duck and the dinosaur, it is so precious to me because like it, Fido is like the dog dinosaur kind of like uh the one from the flintstones i can't you know dino dino oh god dino yeah <laughs> so he was basically like what dino was inspired by i, I want to say like that might not be truth but whatever um oh he might be actually possible, when you think say. about it yeah. Like, yeah like i the possibilities are endless but yeah like, <laughs> fido's the precious dog dinosaur and like i felt bad for him but we can we can dive deep into this, you know, later on. But yeah, this one I've watched from front to back millions of times. It's probably one of my favorite ones. And I love it. I, I love I love Fido. Oh, yeah, it's it's obviously part of my childhood, too. It was obviously in syndication. And uh, whenever they did the, the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show, they would always have these other rare shorts in between the, the more popular Bugs and Daffy vehicles. And I really like this picture because it's simplistic. It is obviously Daffy being wacky, which we all love. Mm -hmm. And it's got a really rare character at the face of it. And, you know, it's it's a rare occurrence of uh, someone other than Mel Blanc voicing a character against Daffy. And this this guy was a friend of, of Mel's and everybody over at uh, Looney Tunes at the time. Uh, his name is Jack Lecoule. And uh, I, I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> Lecoule? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he, he was known for doing impressions of other celebrities. And one big one was Jack Benny, uh, who was a, a late night talk show host back in the day. And, Jack Benny and this guy were really close. And so that just made sense for him to come on this show and, and on Looney Tunes and do a voice. And um, thankfully he did because this character is really not like very many other Looney Tunes characters. He speaks differently. He has a different era about him. 
Um, he's very methodical in his planning and his, uh, <laughs> in his reactions to what Daffy's doing. Like there's a moment, um, yeah, we, we can dive deep now. There's a moment where he literally takes off his caveman suit and he has on a pair of swim trunks and he goes to dive into the uh, water with Daffy to like strangle him and like get him for food. And Daffy just holds up a sign and says no swimming. And he stops in midair and then retracts his, his leap. Yes. And he goes back to land. And then he just starts contemplating other ways to get him. And it's like, no other Looney Tune character would ever do this. <laughs> right. There was a level of logic with this guy. So that's the way it is, eh? All right, then. Fine thing. No swimming. Other cavemen get to go swimming, but I never get to do anything. Yeah, so. it's like his humanity gets in the way of his looniness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, props to him. I mean, if he was like a D&D character, it would be lawful bad or lawful evil, right? Like, he's following the right. rules, you know? <laughs> and he's not he's not chaotic, you know? But he's still kind of a bad guy. <laughs> I guess. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Whereas Absolutely Daffy, much. very chaotic chaotic yes. good i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh S stephanie what were some of your favorite gags in this oh my gosh the uh, i would i would probably have to say the um you know where daffy like blows on the little what is whistle and like stops the rock <laughs> while it's in midair just oh, yes. to let swans pass <laughs> I was like, he starts conducting the traffic of the debris in the in the area. Um, yeah, yeah. And then when he's painting himself on the wall, he's like, "Wow, not too bad." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Of course you would say, "Of course this would happen, Daffy Duck." Of course, because it's Daffy Duck. Very artistic, I would say. Very talented. Very realist. Able. And it fooled Casper because Casper went to whack it with a mallet and just hit rock, and then. The whole world spun around for him. That, that's how you know how talented an artist Daffy is. He can paint such a realistic picture of himself on a rock, you know, and, and trick a caveman. That's impressive. Absolutely. And uh, another fun fact is the dinosaur is actually a breed, uh, not breed, but a uh, the type of dinosaur is Apatosaurus. So if you are a fan of Apatosaurus dinosaurs, um, <laughs> you might want to call one Fido and take it home with you for, uh, for a pet. Yeah. <laughs> is that also I what agree. Dino is or is Dino a brontosaurus or something like that? Like, I'm, I'm curious now if that's the same type of dinosaur. I, I want to say like, he probably is an apatosaurus because if he was a brontosaurus, he would be like a hundred feet tall or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dino is a prosauropod like oh. dinosaur. Oh, okay. Um, oh. A snorkosaurus. <laughs> a snorkosaurus. <laughs> and voiced by Mel Blink. Oh. <laughs> it's all go. WB animation, right? You know? Yeah. Shame that. But obviously, you know, uh, Mel Blink was the, the man of a, of a thousand voices, so he had to get his, his little Dino bark in there. It, it, it makes you it makes you really yearn for a Daffy Duck and the Dinosaur crossover with the Simpsons, I think, you know? Like Wow. wow. That would be something. Right? <laughs> Seeing the Hannibal I don't know. Warner there. Brothers, you wanna to talk to Disney real quick about this situation? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, I guess we did get glimpses of Hanna-Barbera characters in Space Jam on uh, New Legacy, right? Because that kind of just brought everyone in. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's the closest I feel like we've ever gotten to something like that. Not to go off. It is. It is. Outside of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yes. And um, yeah, uh, maybe one day down the line, Hanna-Barbera and these Warner Brothers specific uh, characters will interact with each other. And that will be quite a scene i mean that's like wall-to-wall -wall looniness I, I don't even know how to contain that in a story but maybe somebody somewhere can <laughs> do it 
do it. I mean, if if they do do it, then they really do have to bring out Casper Caveman um, out of retirement and and you know into that fold to interact with the Flintstones because there aren't that many cartoon cavemen. Let's be honest. There's the Crudes, there's the Flintstones, and then there's Casper Caveman. You know. Oh, and, and Captain Caveman, yeah, Captain who uh, Caveman, showed up in, yeah, yeah the Scooby Doo movie. That's right. Um, but speaking of bringing Casper out of retirement, the World of Mayhem, the mobile app game that I sometimes talk about on this show, <laughs> did just that. And they used time travel to get this caveman character from 1939 into a modern game. And his description is as follows An ancient grump armed with a club, he'll do anything to have that duck for breakfast. Having his happy-go-lucky Fido by his side is essential for this, of course. And in the game, you get to play as Casper Caveman if you unlock him and use Fido in attacks. I would like to play as this character. That that sounds fun. (laughs) They've also been releasing uh, prehistoric versions of some Looney Tunes characters, including the Roadrunner, uh, which is also a dinosaur-looking character. Um, and yeah, they're just having a lot of fun over there and, uh, mixing and matching, uh, different breeds with different characters. So head on over to the game and check it out. And, um, you know, if you, uh, if you unlock them, let me know. us to our main topic today and obviously with it being may and asian american and pacific islander a heritage month uh hbo max went ahead and put up a documentary on the the streaming service and it's called yellow face asian whitewashing and racism in hollywood this came out in the year 2019 right before the pandemic And I feel like this is, I guess, more like more awareness needs to be created around what's happening um, within America, for sure. Um, And all of the the hateful thinking against Asians and obviously uh, the violence that's happening all over the nation. It's just terrible. When I went to watch this documentary, I noticed that uh, they pull from some Looney Tunes shorts that were used as propaganda back in World War II. And I thought that that would be a really good subject to touch upon because I haven't really delved that deep into uh, that history of it. So, um, Mike, I'll start with you. You had some really strong feelings while watching this documentary and these cartoons. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, it's it really is an amazing documentary. So if you haven't seen it, um, it's only about 58 minutes, less than an hour. OK, and it's it's a fantastic, yeah. uh, fantastically well put together. Um, I, I wouldn't call it expose. It's literally just a, a nice walk through um, history lesson about um, basically Asian representation in Hollywood. Um, you know, it's funny because we started out this podcast talking about prehistoric things and, and, and this, in a way, this, this, this definitely touches on some prehistoric notions, such as the idea of really using these A-list actors like John Wayne or Marlon Brando to play these Asian characters in Hollywood, uh, by putting prosthesis Mm -hmm. on them to make them look like Asian stars, because, you know, I mean, this was these were during a times where were you know propaganda and war times. People were very anti-Asian, um, and and those sentiments um, were rampant and, and heated. Um, and and you know, you you get into the Looney Tunes of it all, and you see that these shorts um, are being created. Things like uh, Bugs Bunny. Uh, I hate saying these words, but Bugs Bunny nips the nips. Um, awful yeah. words yeah and, and and you know racial slurs in the title that i mean that's just <sighs> yeah it's a hard pill to swallow for sure it, it really is but it's also a necessary one um because 
And, and I think Jonathan, you, you sort of quoted um, Oprah when we were talking, you know, th- this idea that we can't really erase history because that's how we have to learn from, you know, we have to learn from it. Right. Um, and, and I think w- what really got me the most heated, honestly, is that we, it, so, it sort of seems like this country right now is at a point where we're so fragile um, and, and, you know, people of power have made things that have been otherwise taboo, just like free game to, to say, you know, yeah. um, that, that it's not going to take much for us to revert back into those prehistoric ways of thinking, um, you know, absolutely propaganda ways of thinking. Um, when we think about it and, and, you know, um, forgive me, cause I'm taking a little bit of a detour. When you think about a movie, a, a fantastic movie that came out in 2019 called Jojo Rabbit by Taika Waititi, um, that movie explored the origins of where hatred and, and really prejudice kind of comes from. And it starts early. It starts it starts with 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 people uh, telling their kids about these ideas that they have uh, to discriminate against these different groups. And though that was a movie and it's an excellent movie at that these cartoons such as the Bugs Bunny one um those are reality and and that's where you see something like this happening in real life people spreading this idea this message of hate um and this message of discriminatory and and prejudice uh thinking to their kids uh and because we live in such a divided nation right now where people are going to believe um you know wrong ideas that are that are showcased to them just for the sake of upholding their political beliefs, let's say, you know, um, and, and affiliating themselves with, with someone who wants to exploit their beliefs for what, you know, just so that they can get their vote eventually later on. Um, right. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around names and specificities. I can get into those if you want later on, but for now I'll, I'll keep them, you know, vague, but obvious. Um, it, that's, that's where a lot of this crap is coming from. Um, this, this Kung flu bullshit, bullcrap you know that <laughs> no for sure absolutely we're seeing you know where people go around um telling asians that covid was their fault that people go around uh pushing people onto train platforms that are mm-hmm. asians uh that right. go around hitting people you know um just going about their business you know we we think about and i've got more to say you know i, I definitely want to yield my floor to stephanie and to you as well um but but we we really think about the daily lives of Asian Americans, um, you know, walking around these days, uh, just minding their own business and how all of that can be easily just upended by this notion of hatred. Um, and, and this, these false bullshit beliefs that are spread through leaders and through politicians that have the mic, unfortunately, um, and, and really exploit, um, you know, hatred for their own gain. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's running rampant and it's, it's long story short, my sentiments and the reason that I got heated was because you're not seeing these things go away. You're actually seeing them come back today. And that really upsets me and it really makes me sad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely perpetuated by these politicians and people in, in, in the wrong that have the mic exactly, exactly, um, what you said. And I just wanted to take it back a little bit, um, because some listeners might not know what propaganda even is. And so I wanted to pull up a definition, uh, so you can really like hear it. Um, but like, this is. This is commonality. This is what was happening during wartime. So that way soldiers on on the U.S. front would get angry at a race and sign up for war. And it, it's it's just evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's so the definition of propaganda is information, especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. Mm-hmm. And when that is in the wrong hands, which I think it all the time is in the wrong hands. I, I mean, there's, there's no such thing as good propaganda. <laughs> right. um, and yeah, it, uh, I, I, I 100% agree with you and it, it's not getting any better. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe those values or maybe those ideas that 
great, great, great grandparents passed down to children and their children and, and like now it's seeping back up again. I mean, there, there's so much this dishonest and like it, looking into themselves, dishonest love of, of nostalgia. Like that is what is perpetuating all of this, uh, all of the war currently going on uh, with the Ukraine and Russia and with everything going on on the home front as well. Um, and yeah, it definitely COVID uh, led to a resurgence of, of this evil mentality uh, toward another race. And I will yield my time. <laughs> and uh, Stephanie, would you like to, uh, to give your two cents on, on everything going on and, and just a, a generalization of, of propaganda as it was in the media back in the day? Oh my gosh, where do I start? I, okay, we'll, we'll start with the uh, the documentary. Um, okay. I, I found it very insightful and very informative. And I understand that at one point they try to like keep it unbiased, but there's so much that was done politically and through the media and through entertainment that there is there's no easy way to, to describe what history was and what history is and what history should be. I, that's, that's my personal opinion in this. And, um, I found it very, like, I was grateful for the documentary to also be like, it it didn't just start at this point. It like, let's go way, way back to when, you know, they would have Caucasian or, um, yeah, Caucasian actors, paint their face black or tape their eyes back just to play these characters because at that time you couldn't have a person of color have any romantic relationship with the other person in the film in real life all those things and i you know i'm very grateful that they brought up the whole blackface issue and how they would just be very racist and very stereotypical and that's just how entertainment was at the time and 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 it was wrong it was so wrong and we know we know that it's wrong and some people who are older than us that were raised with this sort of media understand now that it was wrong but didn't think about it before because it just wasn't a conscious situation to think Mm -hmm. about necessarily for like non people of color <laughs> right and that, that's why it's such a a detriment to society watching these looney tune shorts that have this seeped in it mm-hmm. uh because they are receiving these signals unconsciously while they're watching it as brought up by the the wonderful documentary that we we keep referring to um called yellow face on hbo max it's directed by julia and clara cooperberg and it is a fantastic representation of why that type of propaganda is more dangerous than any other. Mm -hmm. And it's because it has you vulnerable to the ideas that it's presenting. Mm -hmm. And it's while it's making you laugh. One of the things about laughter is that while people are laughing, they are susceptible to even more information than when they're not. So if you have a propaganda comedy, it is more effective than if it's just a news like bulletin or like something flashing at you um, to, to believe or to uh, you know, to um, act upon, you're not going to do it. Uh, But if it's like subliminal, if it's like steeped into a piece of entertainment, then it's way more dangerous. Absolutely. And you know, they did reference Looney Tunes and how some of the propaganda that was posted was for that exact reason that you said, Jonathan, like, yeah. And, you know, when, uh, when we had to, when we checked out the other, like the Looney Tune clips that you referenced, that the documentary referenced and that you suggest we should probably take a look at before, you know, so that we're fully equipped with today. Um, it, it was very cringe. It, it, when I, originally watched them as a child it didn't occur to me that i could be misrepresented in that way just because of how i was raised i wasn't fully immersed in 
my Asian heritage. So in my brain, I was like, oh, I'm just another little white girl. But as I got older, and especially during the pandemic, it really hit me in the face that no, even though I do have multiple, you know, nationalities in my blood, I am seen as Asian, and therefore I will be perceived as Asian. And, you know, having that full understanding as a grown adult now, uh, and watching these definitely hit me a little harder in a way of like, wow, I can't believe that this, you know, level of racism was completely overlooked. Yep, absolutely. And and the thing that's dangerous about it is, you know, with a, a character as beloved and, and well known as Bugs Bunny, um, people think that that makes it okay, you know, right. um, especially during that time, you know, you're, you're thinking about how um, you know, people, how, how comedy in general makes it easier to, and I'm just going to say it, uh, brainwash people, you know, into, into this America first mentality. And I'm using those words explicitly because we're there right now. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, this, this sense of entitlement and this American first mentality, it makes it easier to seep that into the minds of very vulnerable kids because they see Bugs Bunny. And because they know it's okay to watch cartoons, because every other Bugs Bunny, you know, cartoon out there is absolutely fine to watch. You know, I mean, like it's it's innocent enough if he's, you know, giving a stick of dynamite to Marvin the Martian or Elmer Fudd. Um, so it must be okay if he's doing this to a, a very horrendously drawn depiction of a Japanese soldier, um, you know, and and. Because Bugs Bunny's doing it, kids understand that it's okay for them to hate uh, Japanese people and to think that Japanese people all look like the way that they look in the cartoons, and and that's that's where it all grows. That's the intent. It's it's to get people thinking um, in that way. And you know, the longer that it persists and the more that it festers, then then the worse the worse that that hate perpetuates. Um, true. So it's just absolutely it's very true. Sad and it's very. Ugh unfortunate that and they first of all they taint bugs bunny we all love bugs bunny they taint bugs bunny. Come on. how dare they tarnish yeah, bugs how, bunny in such a way exactly <laughs> well here's the thing like it's he's tarnished now like there there are so many conversations out there of whenever bugs bunny is around there there's one or two people that go wait wasn't he canceled and obviously cancel culture is another topic but what they are referring to is he has a problematic history with race or with um, blackface with doing things that are not PC and you know, they were wrong then they're wrong now, but the media as it was, they were proud to present uh, Bugs Bunny doing these things, especially being at the forefront of riling up the troops to go attack the Japanese in World War II because of the bombing of Pearl Harbor and all of the rage that they have. They really wanted to root for somebody. And Warner Brothers was happy to present that to Americans. And it, I mean, it's evident in the short. They literally call out Warner Brothers cartoons, like the Warner Brothers superstar Bugs Bunny here on my island. <laughs> like the, they, they don't shy away from it. And that was one of the things that I, I think is um, important here is that they thought it was okay and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it, it is tarnishing on the brand and the name. If this is, if this is propelled and this is uh, shown to, a younger audience who is susceptible to those ideas. That's, that's detrimental to the entire brand, I would say. Um, so the, you know, I, I'm getting into the short already. Uh, but so this is from the, uh, I, I refuse to say the name again. Uh, we're, we're going to go past it. <laughs> um, this is from the Bugs Bunny propaganda, uh, directed by Fris Freeling. And this came out in 1944. 44 um so at the height of the war also you know like you know the 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 people funding these uh studios you know they had to answer to people too i'm not i'm not making excuses for them 
<laughs> I'm just, you know, trying to get in the mindset of uh, what it was like back then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, offensive slurs, um, offensive drawings, offensive, offensive caricatures. But the most detrimental thing I took away was the way that they presented Japanese thinking. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was, it was just so bizarre of like, that's not how a human being is. And here it is presented to kids and not just kids, adults, everybody, they saw this in a the theater and then, you know, they, uh, they got drafted. So, you know, it's, it's just hurtful. It's just hurtful. It's a really difficult one to watch. Um, and and here's the thing people justify these sorts of things by saying it was wartime and you know these are the enemies and everything like that but these things have a profound and terrible effect as the documentary explores on people that have literally nothing to do with you know who they're fighting you know and i'm talking explicitly about asian americans that were living at the states at the time they had right. nothing to do with the war. They had nothing to do with Hitler. They had nothing to do with Japan at the time. You know, they were just people who were living their lives as American citizens um, or as American residents who were immersed in American culture and actually, you know, had were most likely, more than likely, oftentimes against um, what what you know uh, the the Axis powers were doing, and yet mm-hmm. they suffered. They suffered greatly for this. Um, because, you know, Bugs Bunny has a cartoon and all of a sudden the store lady next door, the shopkeep next door is hanging up signs that say Japs go home, you know? Um, and, and the next thing that, you know, you're, you're getting a knock on your door and being forced to relocate to Manzanar. Um, even though you again have nothing to do with it. Um, these cartoons innocent as, you know, Warner brothers thought that they might be, and as encouraging as they thought it might be for the troops, really just perpetuated hate in the states more than anything um Absolutely. And that's just that's just horrible to think about yeah yeah uh that was so eloquently put mike <laughs> um yeah. so... I, I wasn't sure how to how to follow that so i'm like yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. sorry <laughs> no no no, that... no no i mean it's yeah. inherent in this topic it, it is a heavy topic it is full of hate mm-hmm. and it is something that we have to live with and i i hope that it's it's not propelling more hate now you know like th- th- i guess that's that's my sentiment is that i hope the media stops propelling hate toward uh any minority honestly i mean I, I I failed in history class, so please forgive me uh, if I'm completely wrong. But I believe at a certain point in history, at least in the U.S. history, there was something that passed to where you don't necessarily have to give correct information as long as it's entertaining and it grabs views. And since then, we haven't really had many um, news outlets properly delegating correct facts. And because None of, of this sort of situation, really yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's like I can't trust any of you guys. Like I gotta go outsource <laughs> somewhere in a different country because y'all can't get your facts straight. My goodness, but it, uh, yeah, no, it it uh, makes me mad. <laughs> I don't blame <laughs> you. Mad too. If if you could see my face, you would see the 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 hurt because you know like. There was, infer- you know, there were charts on how to separate what a Chinese person looks like and what a Japanese person looks like. And it's like, there's so many countries wow. in Asia, like it's hard, you, you wouldn't be able to like, really understand who is from where and what does it matter kind of situation. So like, when all these Japanese people had to be uh, sent to these camps at what's to say that the people that weren't considered Japanese didn't get attacked during that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's because, you know, with, with hate like this and entitlement as well, uh, people think that they're above uh, understanding that there are different countries out there that you can't, you know, that you can't just lump 
um all people from asia into an asian category you know i mean so so if you're filipino or or if you're japanese or if you're chinese they'll still refer to you as one of the one or the other you know which is just you know it's horrible at the time so it's very likely that people of korean heritage or filipino heritage or or chinese heritage were were potentially harassed for being Japanese, um, even though, A, they shouldn't have been harassed at all. Um, the Japanese Americans even shouldn't have been harassed at all. And and B, uh, no one seemed to care that these were other races. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's the nature and the fragility of this country um, that, that really sometimes makes me, you know, just livid with with the state of things um back then and today yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent solid audacity and uh you know this is a looney tunes podcast and there is one director who i have never talked about on this show and uh, for good reason um his shorts within the Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes brand are entirely racist and highly controversial. Um, his name is Norman McCabe, and this is the only time I'll bring him up. <laughs> um, so the other short that is brought up in this documentary is called Tokyo Jokio, and it's from 1943, and it pretends it's a newsreel from from Japanese cinema that was captured by American troops and each segment separates a supposed, you know, praising of Japanese life in the war effort. And in reality, each segment contains satirical content, often racist satirical content to depict the Japanese and their Axis allies as incompetent, pathetic, self-destructive failures. Mm-hmm. None of this was remotely funny. And, you know, I, it was, uh, it was rough to, uh, to watch this. I, I had never seen this one before. And, um, apparently he was a corporal and he somehow got a job in animation, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, we, we don't have to talk about this one for, for, for very long. Um, but, uh, is there anything, uh, Mike or Steph, you want to say about this one? My God, yeah, that that's kind of it. Just that kind of sums it up. I mean, I don't, yeah. I can't think of you know other words to describe this, but just my God, <laughs> you know, and the sheer audacity of what the, the the ideas that he's peddling out here. Um, you know, it's just I can't believe, and 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 I'm glad that you kind of brought his name to light. Uh, Jonathan, because I'd never heard of him, right? You hear of the greats like Tex Avery and Bob Clampett, and, and naturally right. their shorts and their, you know, uh, their work become the thing of legend, especially from a Looney Tunes standpoint. Even Fritz Freeling, who who made the terrible Bugs Bunny cartoon, he has had a history of of uh, terrific Looney Tunes shorts um, in his life. Um, yeah. But I've never heard of Norman McCabe, and it it, it you know the fact that he's a corporal and everything like that during this time um that that kind of says everything right there as to what his sense of humor would be why it would be the way that it was and why his name is not nearly as well known or well received as the greats like tex avery uh or or bob clampett so um yeah i i'm i'm glad that you're you know you're you're exposing the idea that he's been putting together these really awful cartoons. Um, and, and thank God, I think at least Warner brothers has the good sense not to necessarily uh, promote those or, or really add those to, to their, their DVD collections, you know, cause that Tokyo Jokyo short was just horrible, horribly offensive, yeah. incredibly cringeworthy and just infuriating at its core, the way that people, you know, he, he, presented Japanese citizens, their motivations, their thoughts, even something as simple as them eating, um, you know, mm-hmm. was, was really horribly offensive. And I, yeah, I just, again, I just found myself 
becoming angry. So that's why I have to put on Daffy and the dinosaur a couple more times. To, you know, <laughs> after that. Yes, it, it's it's a brilliant palate cleanser for anything <laughs> that is remotely heavy. Um, yeah. And you know, to the detriment of Porky and Daffy, they do nothing wrong in this short, but their faces are at the beginning of it. Yeah. And uh, I think there's actually a Porky like uh, that's all folks at the end, and I, I'm just like, wow. But sometimes I wonder, especially when it's propaganda um, for, you know, to like get people to be like, ooh, boo, Japanese people and boo that party and let's go fight them and knock them all out. Like, I wonder if it was anything to do with or if it had anything to do with the politics, like did the military pay Looney Tunes and did they bring this corporal person in as the director on purpose to really I wouldn't yeah I would not be surprised yeah like I uh, but also boo (laughs) just just boo much sadness I mean there's part of me that thinks that you know at the time of course it it is a time of war so everyone at at their heart is trying to do right by you know who they think is is defending the country right like uh, again yeah. american first mentality so you do have yeah. kids collecting scrap metal you even have like marvel at the time drawing and creating characters like captain america you know in response to uh you know the the, the allied powers versus the axis powers right um yeah. and and i think that this was potentially the way that you you know warner brothers felt that they were contributing to such efforts you know um and and I suppose at the time, because of the anti-Asian sentiment and the, you know, just just overall anti-Axis power sentiment, which obviously there's nothing wrong with being anti-Axis powers. That was absolutely the right thing to do. But mm-hmm. there there are tasteful ways to do it, like having uh, by, like creating characters that would be fighting, you know, Hitler specifically Hitler, you know, and punching Hitler on the jaw, um, versus uh, an entire race of individuals that's that's suffering because of the choices that their their leaders have made and the positions that their their leaders have put their countries and the, the, their people in you know um so so to me um you know I, I suppose it felt like them and i'm not justifying them in the least but i suppose that was what they thought would be the right way to contribute to these efforts and it just ended up being so tasteless and colorful, you know, just just completely discriminatory prejudice. And and frankly, you know, um, specifically, you know, speaking of, um, of of Norman's work, downright offensive and and you know, hate to use the term evil, but there it is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Warner Brothers wasn't the only one doing this. So yeah. Disney was putting out their fair share right. of propaganda that had, you know, Daffy Duck and Commando Duck. And, you know, he was interacting with Japanese people and uh, Japanese soldiers. And um, it was also just as cringe and just as hurtful. But you're absolutely right. They could have done this in such a better way. And uh, I don't know who was behind the the thinking on this, but I would have loved to see Bugs Bunny punch Hitler in the face. Yes. Like yeah. multiple times. Like, why don't we have that? I mean, the closest we got was um, when, well, we might get into this later, but when um, there's that one video i need to remember which one it was i can't remember but it has porky pig with um his dog looking for somebody and or like a a spy and uh the dog was like sniffing through like a bag from the guy and when his head picks up it has it's a mask of like hitler and he pulls it off looks at it and makes a stink face and i'm like that we're getting somewhere with this one. Yeah. We're kind of getting somewhere with this one because it, you know, it just shows like, oh, this is the bad guy, not a whole general race of people. Right. Absolutely. I think you're talking about uh, Porky Pig and Confusions of a Nazi Spy, uh, yes. 1943. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's a great example. And 
why weren't more shorts like this? And and the thing is with Looney Tunes, um, which which has such a as as a medium has such a powerful uh you know method of satire you know we've seen that very much throughout a lot of the cartoons in in looney tunes um they they get they get very meta and they they do satirize real life celebrities a lot of the times and and real life individuals um to 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 do that um with a figure like hitler would have made appropriate sense at the time because the brand the looney tunes brand is very good at poking fun uh, at at celebrities and real life figures and getting meta and getting getting real sometimes, um, and and why they didn't why they chose not to do that in this particular instance um, is is kind of you know bewildering to me um, just because it's you know what ki- kind of something that they're known for um, being able to break that fourth wall um, in in ways that I don't think Mickey Mouse or Disney cartoons would be able to so that's just right. why, why you know it's a big why. <laughs> Yeah, it is baffling. Um, I did see that Tokyo Jokyo is one of the Warner Brothers animated shorts that um, wasn't renewed copyright wise in the 70s. And I'm wondering if that's probably why, because it's just so inherently racist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's not on any of the remastered versions of Looney Tunes, either the DVDs or the Blu-rays, and it's definitely not on HBO Max. So they they are definitely keeping that one away from kids and for good reason. Yeah, it's just scary that it's now considered public domain. Yeah, it should be. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be sharing information like that. Like, hey, guys, you can watch this public. It's a public domain (laughs) thing. Please don't. Like, unless you want to know, like, if you want to feel our feel, then I, no, just don't watch it. <laughs> just, just don't watch it. Yeah. Um, and for, you know, a, a slight tangent, with movies, it, it's a different medium than animation. Uh, there is this want for realistic portrayals of of races and, and for minorities to have a chance to, to become actors and, and have juicy roles and to, to be leads. And, you know, we had crazy rich Asians, which this movie uh, puts forth as a, a championing for Asian culture. And most recently we had everything everywhere all at once, which is an incredible film uh, by the Daniels. And I absolutely adore this movie and it is, um, at its core about a, a family, uh, Asian American family, you know, uh, they, they go on a little multiversal adventure, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, you know, at the center of it, wholesome movie. And then you see what happened in old Hollywood and you're just like, Oh my God, like the, the whole Marlon Brando thing, as you mentioned, and Christopher Lee and, uh, you know, these, these white actors taking up these, Asian roles in the worst possible way. And, you know, it, we, we recently had that again with Dr. Strange and the ancient one and, um, you know, Kevin Feige and, and the team have, uh, you know, apologized, um, for, for doing that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Did you say yes, Tilda? (laughs) (laughs) It, It was, uh, it was kind of baffling again, you know? It was. And, and it, for what it's worth, um, you know, at least it led to to Shang-Chi coming out last year, which was awesome, mm-hmm. yes. um, which had a lot of, of fantastic Asian representation in it as well. Um, but but we had to and, and we should never have, but we had to steep into controversy and and, you know, a problematic casting in order for us to get Shang-Chi, you know, um, which, which in and of itself also helps correct, um, and rectify, uh, the sad history of, of how Asians have been portrayed in comic books, because when Shang-Chi debuted, it was a very racist and and pretty horrible, uh, you know, comic book line. So having deviated from that into more modern, um, interpretations of the character, um, that, that definitely benefited them. Um, but you're right. We we still are seeing a lot of this today. Uh, Ghost in the Shell is absolutely, um, you know, uh, example uh, as, as put as an example um, in in the documentary. Uh, Doctor Strange definitely. 
Um, and then also, you know, uh, The Martian, I believe uh, the character, Mark Watney, um, which was played by Matt Damon, was actually originally an Asian character in the book, you know, um, and and it just continues to go because of this antiquated notion that A-list celebrities sell. But because we've had so many decades of conditioning in Hollywood of casting these white actors and exclusively white actors to play all sorts of roles. And, and that's why the white actors have been able to actually become bankable stars. Whereas Asian actors um, who have been trying to make it in the industry are never casted for, for big roles um, for big budget movies. Um, and therefore are never given the chance to become A-listers. They, the studios will just go around and write off Asian actors as not A-listers. Um, which is ridiculous, especially yeah. at a time when when status symbols like A-list actors and, and name recognition when it comes to actors, that's not what's selling movies these days, unfortunately, you know? So uh, I can't imagine why studios would still continue this antiquated notion of we have to cast white A-list actors in order to sell our movie um, to justify things. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, very brilliantly put. And uh, I completely agree with that sentiment. Uh, obviously Michelle Yeoh would have a different opinion <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Chan. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, y- y- you just look at where Hollywood is now and yes, it is leaps and bounds better than where it was before, but there's still growth. There's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's important work. And I hope that things change for the better sooner than later. Just be freaking courteous to one another. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For for oh the purposes God. of those listening, I know that this may be a harder one to listen to because, you know, there there is a lot uh, happening in this world right now that is a lot, you know, to take in. Very difficult stuff to take in. Difficult matters to take in. Um, and, and when we watch these sorts of movies, when we watch these sorts of TV shows, um, especially from a historical sense, we know that there were problematic things in the past. We know that we're still working towards uh, fixing those today. Um, but, but just keep that in mind that, you know, I mean, the, the past doesn't always go away if we, if, if, if we continue to subscribe to the sentiments that others are trying to get us to subscribe to that that indulge in hatred and prejudice so you know um if you see stuff like that going out there be the change that you want to see in the world you know and and try and speak out against it try and rally against it um because change is never going to happen um if if we don't actually try and and stand against it so yeah um apologies didn't i'll get off my soapbox don't want to sermonize but just want to put that out there for everyone (laughs) no that's great that's great thank you for saying that and honestly this conversation isn't an end-all be-all like this conversation needs to continue and you know happen outside of this podcast and you know uh in your own world and you know uh do some educating yourselves and you know find your own voice and, and perspective on it it, that's the most important thing as a human species is that we grow and that we, you know, evolve our thinking. And that's what led us to this point in time. And, you know, we're going to keep evolving. We're going to keep thinking. We're going to keep learning. And that's the best we can do as a, as a human species. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Mike and Stephanie. Yeah. It is a it is an uncomfortable conversation to have, but it is a necessary conversation to have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm done. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, Jonathan, thank you for having us, for sure. Yeah, of course. Mike, where can people find you online? Yeah, um, so I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TidyBullBoy182 across the board. But you can also look at my find my work on thenerdsofcolor.org, uh, whattowatch.com, and that's at LA. Cool. And Stephanie, what about you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Stephanie Sandmeyer. Or, you know, it's easier to to check out uh, my my channel, Nom Talk Network, N-O-M Talk Network. Ooh, it's, talk. it's a lot of foodie things and nerdy things. Lately, we've been reviewing a lot of movies, like throwback movies. And there have been some where we look back and we're like, that was a little problematic. <laughs> but yeah we we occasionally have those uh tough conversations but there is you know still some really fun foodie 
nerdy talk content as well. Uh, you can also fall, uh, find some of my interviews that I've had with cosplayers of color on nerdbot.com. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I second that uh, shout out to Nam Talk. There's a lot of great, delicious looking things over there and even more delicious conversations to be had. <laughs> so definitely check that out. And you can follow the podcast over at Twitter at OFC. This means pod. And uh, this means podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, that's not all, folks. Have a good day. Any bonds today? Bonds of freedom, that's what I'm selling. Any bonds today? Scrape up the most you can. Here comes the freedom man. Asking you to buy a share of freedom today.